the podcast for the inquisitive diver. Hey there, dive buddies, and welcome to the show. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Elaine Brett, owner of Master Divers Dive Center based on the tiny little island of Koh Tao in the Gulf of Thailand. One of the longest running and hugely successful dive centers based on the island, Elaine has seen hundreds of thousands of tourists visit to enjoy its beauty, nightlife, and more importantly, it's diving. Elaine, welcome to the show. How the devil are you? Hi, thank you very much. Good, yeah, good. I'm good, thank you. Yeah. Strange times, but doing good. How's my beautiful little island going? Oh, it's really beautiful at the moment. I know that the whole COVID thing is, you know, not good for a lot of things, but it's done a lot of good for the island. It's lovely to see it like this. Yeah. Well, this is the reason I wanted to bring you on the show, because I want to talk about how it's all changed. Um, but before we do, I think people need to know a little bit more about you. So when when did you start diving? Oh, God, the first time I actually dived was um, back in, I think, 86, something like that, when I, I was in Corfu, um, just a, one of those try dives off the beach kind of thing. Yeah. But that's when I first got got the bug. And then I did loads of DSDs, like... Uh, in Australia and um, in Barbados and Greece and stuff. And I was, uh, yeah, I just kept doing these uh, DSDs. And then finally, when I came to Thailand, I was like, right, now I've got to do my open water. <laughs> 50 <laughs> so DSDs in, under uh, your belt. It's about time you get some certification. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I came, I came to Thailand in 2003 and I did my open water in uh, PP with a, um, and it was a course director. Hmm. He had a dive master trainee on, on the course. And, uh, and I was like, what's a dive master? So then she was telling me what it was and everything. And I said, uh, I said oh, I could, I could work here then. <laughs> yeah. So she said, yeah, go to Koh Tao. Go to Koh Tao and uh, you can uh, do your training there. It's the best place for training for pros. She said, but be careful. Don't get stuck there. She said, I got stuck there for two years. Said, no, 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 I won't get stuck there. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah that was 18 years ago. Bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> see, I rocked it. It's exactly the same. I rocked up in 2012 just for a bit of a vacation and, and see the island for a couple of weeks. And, um, yeah, I got stuck there. Um, yeah. It's so addictive. Not a bad place it? to be stuck, is it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you, you landed on Koh Tao, did your courses. Um, did you did you start working for Master Divers or other locations? Yeah, do you know, I actually stepped off the Song Term Pier and Master Divers was right there. Yeah. And I had a... I was so good. I had a little book and I'd said to my boyfriend at the time, I said, I'm not going to go with the first place. I've got five dive centres, yeah. five five star IDC centres that I wanted to go around and I had a list of questions I was going to ask. Um, but of course, Master Divers was the first one I walked into straight off the pier. Um, and I just really liked them. <laughs> and they were British and it was like, you know, they were really nice and I didn't even go to any of the others and I signed up with them straight away. Yeah. So, yeah, I did my training with them. Um, once I, I actually did my uh, staff instructor first um, and then I worked as a staff instructor. They were really busy those days um, uh, with with open waters and I was doing all of the classroom work and so that they could sort of double up. It was It was crazy. I was doing you know, three classes at a time and kind of juggling and things. Yeah. So um, I did that first and then I did my um, full IDC, uh, OWSI, and mm. um, started uh, working for them. I did a bit of freelancing in between Simple Life as well, Simple Life Dance. Oh, yeah. Back to them. Did a little bit of Big Blue once and once or <laughs> twice. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've worked in a few, few different uh, shops, but... Ended up kept going back to Masterdivers. Yeah, yeah. And how did it come about that you ended up owning the place then? Wow. So Pete McCarthy was um, half owner, or about half owner, hmm. um, with a guy called Steve who was uh, in the UK. Things weren't going so well, so Steve had said he wanted to sell up. Okay. Um, uh, so he he offered um, a deal to Pete and said. If you pay me back um, this much, it wasn't very much, over a period of five years, mm. then you can have it. You know, he said, but he just wanted to get a bit of money out of it. Yeah. So uh, Pete approached me. I'd already managed the place 
briefly before. Mm. Um, um, and he approached me and I said, I've got a better deal for you now. Come and manage the place. But you, I said, because I said, I can't work for you anymore. Because <laughs> like, he was terrible. So, he's, uh, so he said, uh, uh, we, we had some rules. I had the keys. Once I had the keys, he wasn't allowed anywhere near any money, any decisions, <laughs> or any, <laughs> any of the staff or anything. So um, he said, if you can make enough, make the money back for Steve over the next five years, I'll give you 20% of the company. Yeah. So I said, how about if I can do it sooner? Can I get 25%? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, yes. And I did it in two years. Good so idea. we paid Steve back over two years, and uh, and then I became... 25% owner. So that's how it started. Happy days. And we've got, um, when was it that you opened Coconut Monkey? Um, that was five and a half years ago, I think it was. Is it? It'd be six years in October. Yeah, it's gone quick. Wow. I, I actually remember it opening. I just couldn't remember which year it was. Yeah. I still love popping down. Yeah, there. we had our fifth anniversary um, last year. It was kind of a weird time. So yeah. we didn't we didn't have like any people coming in for a party or anything like that it's a bit <laughs> strange isn't it so I, t- I actually took all of the um all the staff we took we call them the monkeys we took all the monkeys out for a, a dsd oh, brilliant. They, they, yeah they love dsd so uh yeah so um yeah, so that's cool. thinking back over the years that you've been at Koto, now i've only ever known it because I, I i only got there in 2012 so it was all already um you know, a super busy location for backpacker season and people wanting to get their open water certificate before they go and get pissed as a fart on full moon party. So was it always like that in the time that you've been there or was there a, a, a sudden increase yeah. over the years? Do you know, I think back in 2003, <clears throat> Master Divers was really busy. Mm. I don't know if the whole island was as busy, but it felt like it to me. Yeah. Because of because of where I was, um, and Simple Life was busy. I worked a little bit there as well, mm. and Big Blue, you know. So like, I, I don't think there was there weren't obviously there weren't as many dive centres. Probably, I think there were like thirty four, thirty five, or something when I got there. Mm. But each of them were as busy as the next they were later, if yeah. you know what I mean. So yeah. it kind of felt as busy. We had three boats running twice a day. Mm. master divers which is you know busy enough yeah, <laughs> back in 2003 but um yeah i guess the roads and uh and things weren't as busy but as, as it's got busier there's been more resorts opening more restaurants opening so they don't seem as busy mm. you know yeah it kind of spreads it out a bit yeah yeah it's got the, uh, the island's grown as the population has grown i guess mm. um I mean, back in the day, when uh, sort of two thousand, yeah, from two thousand three to two thousand six, I think it was getting actually really busy hmm. um, and too busy for the for the room. There weren't any rooms, so people used to arrive on the night on the boats. Uh, Long Pry would got on extra boats to to bring the extra people in. Hmm. There was nowhere for them to go, so so many people had to sleep on the beach. Hmm. Um, even restaurants were. Um, uh, just charging like 50 baht or something for people just to sleep on the floor in their restaurants. Yeah. I mean, it was busy, you know, so I don't know if there was as many people as there were in like later years, but it, there wasn't the, the um, space for them. Yeah. Yeah. It was lack of infrastructure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, just for those people that are listening in, you know, might've heard about Koh Tao and there's going to be people who haven't heard about Koh Tao. It's one of three islands in the Gulf of Thailand, and it's the most northern. You've got Samui, Koh Phangan, Koh Tao. And it's always been a destination for great diving, nice, easy waters, very minimal current, if any any at all. And at the right time of year, you get 25, 30 meter visibility and whale sharks rocking up. Um, but it's on the backpacking circuit. And over the years, when you come through to busy season, um, was that a phone then, Elaine? That's you buying the beers next time I'm over. <laughs> Brilliant. I completely forgot. I'm sorry. That's all right. I love issuing a beer fine. I'll remember that when I come over. <laughs> uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. So all the backpackers um, that were, you know, through university, et cetera, et cetera, um, 
would do the the Asian Southeast Asia kind of tour, going up through Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, and the hotspot was always Koh Panyang for the full moon party, and they would factor in going to Koh Tao, either prior to or after the full moon, to do their open water. And a lot of people would stay on and do the advanced course as well because it was good fun. So a bit of a party island at times, especially in high season, and a lot of divers. Now with that comes a lot of dive shops. And I think by the time I'd been there about three years, I think, I think we were over 60 dive centers on this little island, which measures just over six kilometers from north to south. So it's crazy busy for diving. And some people have, um, you know, voiced an opinion that Kota was far too busy and it's just a factory, blah, blah, blah. It's a fantastic location for people to dive because it's safe. And the quantity of instructors there that are instructing 24-7 do it, they can do it blindfolded. They're that good at doing what they do because they're doing it all the time. Um, so that's a little bit of a backfill on Kota. Um I love it, so I'm always going to defend it. But over the last year since COVID kicked in, it's gone, obviously, completely dead of tourism. And I've been watching from a distance, and this is why I've brought Elaine on the show, because one thing that was never really displayed on the forefront of Kotao was the macro that can be found around the island. Now, Elaine, along with several other people that live on the island, lucky buggers, um, have been going out diving and finding all this beautiful macro. So I'm of the opinion that the face of Kotao, once we're out of pandemic and all that kind of thing, will change to attract more divers that are looking to do macro photography. What say you, Elaine? I've had enough talking yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, definitely. I I was actually, there's always been people interested in the macro mm. and even I remember, you know, in my early days, there would always be that time when you're, oh, we were at pottery again, you know, mm. and you and people would say, oh, let's let's just go out. And we would say, let's just go west. So we just head out west mm. and just see what we can find. Be careful of the log prior, but just <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, head on out and find find stuff in the sand. Mm. And there was always people that were really keen to do that, but you couldn't do it when you were. Um, when you had customers, when you're teaching, mm. you know, you, you, it, it's very rare that you get that opportunity. Um, it's funny since, since COVID we, I mean, when we first um, had to close down and everything, um, I said to the, all the team, I said, let's, let's make sure we go diving like once a week just to keep our sanity. Yeah. Um, but then we weren't allowed to go diving. <laughs> so to start wait, wait, with, what? so it was a little while. You weren't allowed to go diving? No, no, no. They um, banned diving. Get out of it. What, because yeah, of COVID? They banned it again recently, again in Phuket. So, yeah, <laughs> during COVID. Because yeah. you're going to catch you it underwater, aren't you? <laughs> Proper lockdown. There was a, um, a curfew in place, uh, an alcohol ban, a diving and snorkeling beach ban. Wow. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, each province is different. So, mm. different places had different rules, but we, we weren't allowed to go out. Um, the main reason really was um, for accidents. You know, mm. uh, um, a rescue would be very difficult in those times yeah. um, because there weren't the people around. So they just said, just everybody stay stay on, on land. No, that makes sense. So actually. it kind of scuppered our plans a bit. But then once we were allowed to go again, I, I was talking to Elizabeth from Oceans Below mm -hmm. and uh, we were like, oh, we've just... She said, oh, maybe we could just take the long tail out. She said, even if we just go to Tao Tong, yeah. uh, go out in the muck. Um, and then I said, well, maybe I could just learn to drive the boat. <laughs> <laughs> so I got my Captain B dog to teach me how to drive the boat. Um, just the small dive boat. So it just holds 12 divers. Yeah. Um, I've, I've drove it a few times uh, with him on board i haven't driven it without him yet yeah <laughs> not <laughs> don't know where enough. all of the the, the um uh, the moorings and rocks and stuff are so i had elizabeth up front spotting for me um, <laughs> but uh yeah that was good fun but yeah so we we, we kind of started doing it then it was just it was literally just like a couple of us and then the interest was amazing because as soon as we started 
doing it so do you think anyone else might be interested so Mm. have a chat with a couple of the other photographers and videographers on the island and the the geeks um (laughs) and they said yeah 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 we'll come so we said if we can cover the cost of the fuel and the captain and the tanks then let's just do it you know um but that interest just kept growing and growing i didn't realize how many people were really that interested Mm. and actually the more things that we find post up on facebook People see it and they 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 all want to come and see find the frogfish or yeah. find the blue winged octopus or you know so um, I think a lot of people a lot of people didn't know that 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 kind of stuff was out there mm. so um, now I have um, far more people interested and I even this week I've got three trips going out this weekend uh, so we've got Friday Saturday and Sunday. And I've got six people coming that have never dived with us before. So it's 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 growing all the time, you know. And I had another guy who's coming next month and he's like, oh, I want to see the frogfish. <laughs> so, you know, so it's, uh, it's yeah, it's amazing. I think that um, the macro and the, the muck is, is, there's a lot more people interested than you kind of first thought. Mm. I guess because Kotal was always kind of seen as just a, a, a kind of simple place to learn because mm. it's safe and easy, but not necessarily one of the world-class kind of diving sites for fun divers, you know, because, yeah. um, I mean, it still doesn't have, you know, it's not the same as going to Indo or something and going on a muck dive there and having the abundance of uh, the amazing stuff that you get there. Mm. But it's still really, really cool. Yeah. Um, uh, we we still have I've had people come over to, through the pandemic as well. They're they're coming over and doing their month um, quarantine um, in Bangkok, and they're coming and spending a few months working online and just diving. Really, um, and they're yeah, and they're, only a handful, but yeah. they've been over and and they're like, "Are you diving?" As well, we're doing some muck diving. Like, oh yeah, 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 we want to do muck diving. <laughs> and they come out with us on every trip. So yeah. It's. I, I think this has kind of opened people's eyes. There was a handful of people on the island that knew this stuff was there mm. um, and where to find it, but they didn't really have the opportunity to go out there as often. Yeah. Um, we go out all the time. That's all we do now. I know. I keep seeing <laughs> the photos. The photos pop up. But, you know, when it started last year and you started putting the old nudie brand couple, I'm like, oh, that's a novelty, you know, because – like you say, yeah. as an instructor, all I was doing was teaching. And on the rare occasion yeah. that you go out fun diving with your mates, other dive bros, you tend to go off the dive site at somewhere like Chumpon, see if there's any big stuff. You don't really look for macro. Um, yeah. So just seeing those odd little nudies pop up, and then I knew the blue ring was around somewhere because I've seen Alex posting it a few times in the past. Um, but then, like I say, frogfish. Like, oh, hello. You know, and then yeah. a, a seahorse, you know what's going on here you know it's amazing once once you get into macro and adjust the eyes and and have a good rummage around what is actually yeah once you know where to look too Mm. i mean we've had some we've had a couple of guys that have been out to all of these areas over the years um so (laughs) so we've got a bit of a heads up you know where to where to look yeah it's funny we we, we've been going to tautong every trip you know like it's it's crazy the amount of dives I've done at Tao Tong and, yeah. and you could still find something new it's it's a very weird kind of area mm. um things change they're obviously seasonal as well so um back in November when it, the water was colder we had a lot more of the nudies were kind of in shallower now things were like a little bit deeper but then suddenly you'll just see like a dragon net oh no I've never seen one of those in Kotal yeah I've only seen it in Bali. What's that doing here? You know, but then that's it. I only saw it one day, yeah. and I go to the same area every day. You know, and you're like, how? Where do these things just pop up from and then just disappear? You know, mm. so um, th- that's kind of like a a sweet spot. It doesn't have. Uh, we haven't found the blue wing there yet, um, or any frogfish. Yeah, because there's no sponges out there. There's lots of soft corals, but no sponges. But um, that's that's got uh, like a a huge variety of of 
of stuff out there. You always find lots of different things, lots mm-hmm. of crabs and shrimps of different types. And um, it's a really good area, but you don't find the really special stuff, you know, yeah. um, at that area. So then Alex was going through his photos and he's like, oh, so I was looking back at my photos. He said it was around this, around June that we saw the blue ring at, at Shark Bay. Maybe we should give that one a go. <laughs> so, yeah, we headed out there and on our first trip, Oh, I found it. <laughs> oh, well done. I was like, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've been hunting for it at, at Tao Tong, like in hoping that we might be able to find it. But, yeah, straight away we found it. So we've had three trips that someone's found the blue ring now at mm. Shark Bay. So it's definitely staying around. Yeah. Um, and the frogfish, there's, there's quite a lot of the sponges out there. So I think we've probably found five different individuals of, of really? um, frogfish at the moment, yeah. Well, that's interesting. So there's two on the sponge, um, the main sponge that we know where that is. Yeah. We can we can ha- have a look. We can find those two. One's a bit bigger. He hides underneath. One's nearly always on the top. But then Maria, she get, heads off a little bit deeper. She's uh, found a red one the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, this is all at Shark Bay? One. Huh? At Shark Bay or Tatong? Shark Bay, yeah. Well, it's out. So you go to the, the you're out on one of the furthest boylands and then you just head towards um, Kopanyang. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically it. Yeah. Okay, we'll go that way. <laughs> yeah, so it's um, it's getting to know the area because also it's very um, barren. Mm. So it's it's uh, a little bit difficult to navigate when you're the first couple of times you go, you know, to try and figure out where things are. Yeah. Um, and it's really silting out there as well. So, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's different out there. It's a different, um, it's, it's very different than Tao Tong. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, um, which is obviously why we're finding different critters out there as well. Mm. What kind of depth is it out there then? Um, the sweet spot is a, a sort of between um, 17, 18, and 21. Okay. And do you get that's a, where you, you find a lot of the soft corals. Yeah. Do you get any current? Sponges. Do you get any current coming through from the, the um, island and Shark Island or anything? A little bit, but mm. we had, I mean, um, the other day I was with Elizabeth, we were on the sponge, so just enough current to try and push you off your shot <laughs> <laughs> not enough current that it's like a nightmare to swim or anything yeah um i mean at Tong we get the current yeah um on that corner that's obviously why it's so diverse it's it's um uh bringing bringing lots in on that corner mm. and sometimes that can be that can be pretty strong for kotao yeah say, um, I, the only time i've dived Tong was usually when the um, monsoon winds were coming through and we just go and hide down there while you're doing your basic skills with the open water students. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, it was actually what my head instructor, Jason, it was his, his favourite dive site. He really? would always say, yeah, yeah, so go out at Tao Tong. You always find, like, you can find seahorse and um, lots of weird stuff in the sand. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and I, you can you can always find something out there mm. at the moment the water's a bit warmer so things are pushing a little bit deeper yeah um but then uh, i just got the uh, the, the night trucks and the analyzer and everything sorted so now everyone's on night trucks so we can <laughs> have a good good dive because yeah. we normally have like somewhere between 60 and 90 minute dives mm. we do two dives so we have that's the other thing that we you know now we have um a lot of time we don't have two trips going out yeah a day so we're not in a rush um we have plenty of time we can have a nice long surface interval two nice long dives to really because you do have to hunt mm. you know you can sometimes you can be looking for half an hour before you find something yeah um uh, other times you just find an area and within like a two meter square area you can find loads of stuff you know it's yeah. uh yeah, my first time find that area. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my first time with proper macro hunting was Lembe some years ago, and um, I can remember descending down on the sand. And it's only like ten meters depth, and I'm you know free falling. And all I can see is sand. I'm thinking 
Matt, what the bloody hell are you doing here? It's just sand. And then your eyes adjust and you see yeah. a li- little movement and then there's another little movement. And before you know it, the whole bloody sand is alive. It's, oh, it's crazy. It's, it's like a whole remarkable. miniature world down there. Mm. I love it. I yeah. love it. I actually, I actually enjoy those moments where you, you indicate to another diver something that's macro. I mean, my missus, she's not, she's not into macro at all. However, I did catch her um, using a GoPro uh, last month, videoing a nudie. So I think she's getting the bug now. <laughs> and just, you know, pointing and saying, oh, there's a nudie over there. You know, you see the eyebrows raise and the question, you know, I can't see it. And then you indicate again and the eyes light up. Oh, bloody hell, yeah, I can see it now. It, you know, it's moving. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I do, yeah, the, getting the eye in is one thing. Yeah. I, I, I never used to like macro. No. Um, and I did a, a a trip to Bali with some friends a few years ago, and there was loads of muck diving, mm. and and I was I can't really see it. My eyes aren't that great anymore. Yeah. I can't really see stuff. So they'd be pointing things out, and I'm just like, oh, I don't know. I can't see that. You yeah. Know, like, let alone take a picture of it. <laughs> um, I can't see the screen either. If I do, <laughs> is it in focus? I don't know. But um, since since COVID, I've kind of worked on that a little bit. Mm. <laughs> so I have a, on the back of my camera, I've got a, a, a lens so that I can see the LCD screen. Oh, so um, you've you've got a proper camera lens for like a magnifier. Magnifi- a magnifier, yeah. So it's yeah. like a connector that goes fantasy housing. It, yeah. it connects on the back, and it's just a, a like a magnifier for your for your screen, so you can actually see if it's in focus. Yeah. Um, and I wear contacts, mm. so I've I've and I wear strong contacts, two and a half <laughs> plus two and a half. So it's like wearing reading glasses. Yeah. But then it it changed by world i'm like suddenly i'm like oh my god i could see everything Mm -hmm. it's amazing billy um who's the videographer he he's got a pair of glasses actually um alex made them um so they're they're reading glasses but they've had their arms taken off and they've got little bungees on them so you can attach it to your mask so it's got (laughs) it's got the glasses on the outside of his mask yeah just kind of lifts them off back on again I'm gonna. Act, I'm gonna have to find out if Alex actually stole that idea off her. I did a post last year on it because my eyes started ah. going, and I'm now at two and a half. I can't see shit. When I'm yeah. looking for macro, I'm screwed, and that's well, what I've been doing. He made them for Elaine originally. Oh yeah. He wears contacts, so he made the glasses for Elaine. Yeah. Well, and then Billy been... saw them, but Billy was like, "Oh, that's <laughs> Yeah, I've been doing. It. In fact, I had Billy on. We did. We did the uh, band of sea crossing. I, 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 brought billy onto uh, carpe diem a couple of years ago and yeah, um, yeah. he would have seen him then because i uh, i've been doing it a long time now because i'm a cheapskate from yeah. up north i don't want to pay for you know any kind of posh stuff to go on the back of my camera i just use a crappy pair of glasses <laughs> well, if you're both, it's amazing <laughs> oh yeah yeah i have noticed though if you're going to do it and like i am i'm, I'm plus two and a half to, for them to work effectively underwater, you've got to add a bit more. So either plus three or plus three and a half, just for the. It must be the refraction through the water. Uh, yeah, but they're st- yeah. at two and a half, at, at two and a half, they're still a bit blurry. But a stronger lens, it actually does work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's these well, things got, that I've we have to do. I've got my dive master Tony. He's he's uh, he's. I've got him into wearing uh, contacts as well because first he's like, oh, I can't wear contacts. I was like, No, I was the same. I could do it. Yeah. So I taught him how to do it, and he's like, oh, my God, I can see. <laughs> see, I'm, I'm massively reluctant on them as well. I'm a massive wuss when it comes to my eyes. I've only ever worn contacts once before, and it was years ago, just as a, yeah, I think, yeah it was a Halloween party, and I had the, the ones that turn your eyes white. And I couldn't see shit. But the more I drank, yeah. the more it got into focus. So I don't think I can drink <laughs> underwater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they're not good for your eyes, those ones. No, no. Um, anyway, so digressing somewhat there. Um, Kotao, let's um, let, let, let's hear how it's it's been impacted by uh, the global non-travel. Yeah, massively. Mm. Um, it's it's kind of you know at the beginning when people weren't really sure how long it was going to last for. Mm. Um, we had um, 
a lot of people trying to hang on, you know. So even though they didn't have any work because we weren't allowed to dive, so shop, all the shops were closed. Mm. Um, people were kind of hanging on a little bit, hoping that, they, you know, things would come right. Um, the Thai government uh, extended visas. They said, you know, you don't have to have a visa. Um, first of all, they said you had to leave. So they kind of kicked a load of people out. But Dawn, I think it was like the day before... Um, the the date where they'd said you had to leave by, mm. then they brought out this amnesty and they said, okay, you can stay. But a lot of people had already booked. So a whole uh, bunch of people left then. Um, but then there were all the travellers that were already in Thailand mm. um, at that point when, when the pandemic hit. So they were saying, oh, well, we may as well stay here rather than travel back to our countries where it's not doing so well. Yeah. Um, so they kind of moved around. So we, through sort of like until about August, we still had uh, a few customers and a few divers sort of milling about, um, and a lot of the the staff was still around at that point. Mm. Um, after that, it it really dropped off. Um, less and less people, more important people leaving. Um, we've had a couple of waves. They've not been big waves in comparison to other countries here, but um, we've, they're really strict. As soon as there's like some cases, then everything is locked down. You know, um, so um, that meant a lot more people left. You know, people can't afford to stay indefinitely. Yeah. Um, I mean. It, it's, Apart from the muck diving, and the muck diving that we do now is all people that are left on the island. So it's all it's all pros, local pros. Yeah. Um, I, as I say, I get a handful of people that have come over in the last year or so um, to do um, a quarantine and stay in for a few months. And you get the odd um, expats from... Bangkok or Samui, Phuket come over. Mm. Um, recently, we haven't been able to do that because of the travel restrictions, um, even within Thailand. So it's been very quiet. So other than my muck divers, I, don't, I haven't done any real diving. Mm. My last real customer would have been in April, just before Songkran, wow. um, which was when the last wave kind of hit. Yeah. Um, I mean... I've had months where, you know, November, I didn't I remember November was my first month with not a single customer. That was nothing. And I was just like, okay. Mm. Um, but, and I get excited when I've got, I've got six customers coming. Or hopefully, <laughs> I've got six customers coming for summer. Yeah. And that, that's exciting. You for know? summer. So that, that's the difference. Like normally in summer, I would have both boats going out twice a day. Mm. Um, and Yeah. So it's it's huge, and I'm last one standing at Master Divers. Really, I've got a couple of freelancers still around on the island that um, are there to obviously help me out mm. um, with diving and stuff. But um, I don't even have a boat boy. I don't have uh, anyone to fill tanks. I don't have someone to dive the long tail. I have the captain and me. Yeah. Wow. You're <laughs> so, going to be busy at some point then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah but, but it all opens up again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah that's always a worry too you know so mm. um but the the island itself there's so many places that are closed as well mm. so a lot of people have closed um temporarily um just waiting for things to open up um and a lot of places have closed permanently yeah. and then a whole bunch of people have moved so people that were paying rent in the the higher priced uh, kind of areas like the down road yeah. um, going down to the pier. That's just all shuttered up. You know, there's hardly anybody left down there. Wow. Um, I think there's like maybe four shop, four or five shops down there now that yeah. are open, um, but they haven't all closed for good. They might've just moved. Yeah. Some have moved to just different units on different parts of the Island that um, are less expensive mm. to kind of get through it. Um, I mean, even, the biggest dive centre on the island is closed at the moment. It's been closed since sort of the Songkran wave. Who's that? They're planning to open again in July. 
Who? First of July. Bands? Bands, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, I never expected so, that. So, yeah, so I mean, that that kind of gives you a bit of an idea of, of, uh, mm. of um, you know, what it's like here. I mean, Asia Divers is closed down. I don't know if they're opening again at some point, but they yeah. closed a long time ago last year. Um, Big Blues moved down the beach as well. As well. Big Blues had to move because of their their um, um, they rent their their mm. uh, property, so yeah, that's always an issue. I've, I mean, I I paid my rent uh, five years in advance, so it's been good in some ways because I don't have to move out, but yeah. it also means I'm paying. I've paid for something that I'm not using. So, yeah, yeah, it's kind of both ways. So, um, but mine runs out in February, so. Yeah, what oh, what shit. what do you do at that stage? Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, if it's not come back by then, so it that's that's the issue that most people are having. I think the dive centres that are have own their own land mm. um, and their own resorts, um, they it's easier for those to just close down or just run on a skeleton staff for a short time yeah. so that they'll be ready to open again. But anybody that was renting their land um, and their resort or what have you then uh, that's when it becomes a bit more tricky. So um, it, we actually have a Facebook group um, with the dive centres and some and because they're starting to look at when we may open again mm. um, and we need to register um, and have certain uh, protocols in place and everything. Mm. Um, so the authorities actually were like asking who's still operating. And I actually, I was quite shocked at how many dive centres said, yes, we're open or yes, we will be operating. Mm. Um, because when you see them closed, you don't know if they're closed for good. Mm. I guess it's the same if someone comes past master divers, they see the doors closed. They don't know, is that us closed, closed? Yeah. No, or, Elaine's gone diving again. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, yeah, so I was actually quite, um, quite impressed by the amount of, dive centres that actually um, said that they will be operating again. Have you got um, a um, – sorry to interject there. Have you got a rough yeah. idea on how many dive centres are expected to be open once they can? I don't know. Do you know we had – I think the number went up to about 90 before. 90? Uh, yeah. Nine zero. Yeah. Holy shit. Where do they fit? Yeah. Oh, just tiny little ones everywhere. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so you don't really need um, a dive boat or a dive shop or equipment or anything these days, you mm. know, tanks, because you can rent everything. You know, mm. you can rent boat space, you can rent tanks and, and equipment. Mm. So even small places have opened up. and Resorts have opened their own dive centres rather than, you know, working with a dive centre. So, mm. yeah, the numbers did go up quite quite high. Um but now, looking through that list, um, I don't know. I, I think there was. I think when I looked through, I was like forty or something. Okay. I think there's 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 quite a few. Um, I think a lot of people are doing sort of similar, uh, very low numbers um, of 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 divers, but they're um, just keeping things ticking over. Mm. You know, just have, having a few. Uh, the the Thai shops are doing better because obviously they have the Thai market. Yeah. So um, the shops that maybe weren't necessarily doing as well before the pandemic are doing better. Kota Scuba um, Club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they were doing okay anyway, you know, yeah. but they they they're the ones that are doing uh, doing well now because um, that's their market, you know. Yeah. Um, but a couple of the others as well that have, have got got the Thai connections mm. um, and and the Thai staff because you you need Thai dive masters and instructors yeah, um, sure. uh, if you're going to go into that market. So um, so bands as well, bands did really well with, with that market. So um, over Songkran, they were really busy, mm. um, which was crazy. Like that island was really busy over Songkran. Yeah. Um, but then that unfortunately was when the that wave hit from Bangkok. Um, so it, it was a short lived, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, 
there was, uh, and they put on, I mean, at the moment, to give you an idea, we have uh, one long prior speedboat coming from Samui every day mm-hmm. um, and one a week, I think, from Chompon. Wow. Um, which is nothing, you know. Yeah. Um, at one point, we didn't have any. We, we've had we've had a f- couple of two or three months during this time that we've had no boats coming at all. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, we do have one coming and one leaving every day. Um, but over Songkran, we had the big uh, catamarans arriving, and there were like four, five, six, seven of them coming. You know, like full, <laughs> and you're like, oh my god, <laughs> where are these people coming from? Yeah. Yeah, so all heading down from Bangkok, but unfortunately, it was really bad timing because uh, because of this next wave. It just mm. helped spread it um, even more, you know. Mm. So then it became a bit scary because then you're like, you know, that there's people coming and they're sharing. It's like two hundred people on a boat. That they're gonna they're gonna spread it, you know. Yeah, and, and we was- felt quite protected on Kotal because once you once you had a while where there's been no people coming hmm. coming and going or not many and then you have no cases you kind of feel like you're in a bit of a bubble you know hmm. we're, we're kind of safe here um so then when suddenly there's like hundreds of people arriving then you start to get a little bit worried you stop hugging your friends again <laughs> <laughs> well, that keeping just... your distance yeah. and things, you know so did uh, yeah. as covid uh, as covid as kotow had any covid cases yeah over songkran okay so there were i think um there were only five cases that actually went to the hospital here so they were mm. only they, they were the only ones that were like classed as kotal cases mm. but there was something like 20 people that had been to kotal mm. and then gone back home to bangkok that had t- then tested positive because okay. they got sick but they didn't catch it in Kotel. Um, They'd all been to these bars um, and clubs in Bangkok um, where it had started. Gotcha. So um, they just had, they'd come over, they'd gone to the club and then two days later come to Kotel and then, and and they would do the track and trace and they'd give a list of all the places. There's not that many places open on Kotel. So they've been everywhere. Yeah. Like, okay, they've been in Coconut Monkey. They've been in, in, just, Every single bar, cafe, restaurant, everywhere you can think of, they've yeah. been and they've yeah. been out diving, and you're like, you know, what can you do? Yeah. But I, I don't think there was any cases from them. I think okay. they'd all caught it too soon, so they weren't sick while they were on Kotel. Yeah. So, so it, they've, they've it, kind it, of they've gone for a short holiday and they took COVID with them and then took it back home with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I think it's it's supposed to be more. Um, transmissible isn't it when you're actually sick and they weren't sick while they were here so Mm. i guess they they didn't spread it i mean they came into the guys came into coconut monkey 10 days later and said well this guy was here 10 days ago and he's now tested positive and you're like well (laughs) well done (laughs) what can you do you know Um, but then none of i mean we were really busy at that time as well like no none of the staff none of any all the locals that come into the cafe, mm. nobody caught it. So, mm. but I mean, we're open as well, so it's it's uh, I guess less dangerous, I guess. To, yeah, it's not like a, of catching. It's not a closed yeah. environment, is it? Yeah. Or maybe so it, it, maybe maybe the carriers have just had too much alcohol in the blood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe. See, I keep saying it: whis- whiskey is a cure for all ails. so um just to just to pick up on um you're saying you know roughly 40 dive shops have shown interest in opening up again um and to people out there that might sound like an alarmingly high number but kotao has a very good way of working together so one large dive boat might actually hold four or five or six different dive companies with yeah, one, one instructor and one or two students and you know they do it as a collective um, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be 40 dive boats with 40 divers on all going out at once um, no, absolutely. It's, it's a bit of yeah a, that's the thing that's why the numbers of dive centers have grown so much mm. because they don't all have their own boats yeah um they 
they all join together. So although it sounds like a large number, that's not 90 big dive centers with all their own boats, you mm. know, which would be crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's not as bad as it sounds. Mm. It's actually quite nice at the moment though. when there's, 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 you know, I hate to say it because obviously it's not good for anybody, um, the pandemic and, and for, for livelihoods and stuff. Um, but it's lovely going to a mm. dive site and you're the only ones there, um, you know, jump in a bit early and you could literally be the only one on the dive site, you know, and it's like, yeah. but that's nice. I'm, I'm hoping and praying that, I mean, it's going to be a long time in Australia before we have the freedom of movement again. And I'm on a slim hope that it might allow us to travel round about May time next year because I'd love to bring the missus over there and just show the dive sites. And I always yeah. remembered May as a good time to be there because everyone buggers off after Song Crown and it's nice and quiet and beautiful visibility. Yeah, so yeah. That's where my fingers are crossed at the moment. But, uh, yeah, I think I'm, it's been amazing. I mean, when we when we first got locked down last year and they said we couldn't dive, I got myself a little kayak because mm. we weren't allowed to take the dive boat out. So I, I took the kayak. And I kayaked around Nang Yuang um, from Mayhad. So I just went all the way around, um, stopped off at Japanese gardens. And there was literally, I didn't see a single person, yeah. not another boat, not a snorkeler, not a diver, not another, nobody, the whole place. I've never seen it like that. So once in a lifetime, yeah. like to be able to see Nang Yuang and the whole trip there and back with nobody. Wow. It was just incredible. Um, I, but I the, think that's also, also helped us. We've, we've had a few dolphins living around. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're still there now. Yeah. It was only like, I think there's only three of them. Mm. Very small. I don't know if, I'm not sure if they're common dolphins or spinner dolphins. They're just tiny. Mm. And they they have been hanging around um, Nang Yuang for a while. Not sure if they're still there. But Well, I'm, I'm keen to see, and you know, I keep seeing photos and bits and pieces popping up from people doing random dives over there and obviously you've got the whale sharks that rock up which really pissed me off because i'm here and not there <laughs> um but just seeing the the regular dive sites I, I, i'm excited to see how much they may have regenerated through the lack of you know disturbance from from divers yeah um, i think even just i mean i sail rock we did um the last time we went was about a month or so ago mm. um over April and stuff, we were going out there, and it was absolutely stunning. Mm. I've never seen it like it. It was, you, the, the sea just goes dark. There's just so many fish. <laughs> it was incredible. I had some friends down um, from Bangkok, um, the diving friends. Uh, so they, they came out, um, and, and we were absolutely just awestruck. It was just incredible. Mm. And uh, one of the guys that was diving with us actually just videoed all the reactions of the divers because he said that was it. That's what made his dive was like watching people, their reactions to the amount of fish and just incredible. I've just, I don't think I've ever seen that many fish in one place ever anywhere. Yeah. It what? was Sail Rock is it's, it's Thailand's. It's got to be Thailand's number two dive site after Richelieu Rock. Yeah, without yeah. a shadow of a doubt, was, it's number one within the Gulf. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. It was incredible. It it's been. I mean, it it has its days, you know. But at that point, it was. I, I saw fish that I've never seen before. Mm. It was you just didn't know where to look, and you only didn't have to move. We were just in one spot mm. for the whole two dives. We moved probably 10 metres. <laughs> <laughs> We'd literally just sat and just hung out and just watched everything. Just Was this over at, at the Pinnacle or on the main Yeah, so or? just, just off, no, so just off of um, where the chimney is, sort of out from there. Yeah. That sort of area there, mm. literally just come away from, the, from the, the rock a little bit and just sit there and it was just amazing, incredible, loved awesome. it. So then we're like, put some video up and some photos. <clears throat> that was it. We had a full trip going out to Sarah <laughs> the next week. We're like, okay. I was, I'm, I'm hoping to go. It's a little bit windy at the moment. We've had a few days of um, a bit stormy weather. So 
we're muck diving for the next few days and then if the wet wind goes away then i want to pop back out to sail rock and see what it's like mm. we saw a whale there as well get out of it no wasn't steve's, was it wasn't steve's was blue whale was it <laughs> i actually don't know what kind of whale it was i was in so much shock it came up right next to the boat and um and blew wow. right next to the boat in fact like, um miko got a, a selfie with a with a whale years ago as well didn't he, did, he? yeah they oh, are around yeah but, um i normally don't see them <laughs> so <laughs> that was that was nice to see um yeah, it, yeah i think there's there's been I don't know whether there's been more sightings. It's weird. I think there's been less sightings of um, whale sharks, but I think that's because nobody's diving. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're probably there, but, you know, normally you have people diving all of these dive sites all the time. Mm. So, you know, you would uh, you would get more sightings, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, you get the reports literally daily, wouldn't you, from three or four different yeah. sources of photographs and God knows what else. Yeah, so it's difficult. If there's nobody at White Rock today, then how do you know if there's anything big swimming through, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's the other thing we need to point out, actually. Um, for those people, you know, contemplating going to Koh Tao when we can, um, not only is it nice warm water and you can now see macro because everyone is diving looking for macro, but the likes of these um, locations we're talking about, not particularly Cell Rock, but White Rock, Japanese Gardens, Green Rock, Twins, they're literally five minutes by boat from the shoreline of Surrey Beach. And, oh, and there's a Satakut wreck there as well. And you get whale sharks rocking up on these dive sites that, you know, Elaine's kayaked around Konang Yuang, which covers all of the dive sites I've just mentioned, in, you know, a morning or an afternoon. So it's a remarkable location to go. Not only can you, you know, have a go at macro hunting and photography, but you can see all the big stuff as well. And I've actually seen, I saw a marlin at um, White Rock. Oh. Yeah. Oh, really? And Andy Campbell did as well. I saw a sailfish. Oh, I saw not, a sailfish sorry. At, at Jump On. Yeah, sorry, not marlin, sailfish. sailfish. Yeah, we have we have uh, sailfish around. I, I actually think I might have seen one at Sail Rock a couple of weeks, or a few weeks ago, the last time I went out there. Yeah. It went by so part, fast that I didn't actually see it. But nothing you, else could have gone that far, so it had to have been. I kind of didn't see one. Are you sure, are you sure your contact lens didn't slip and it just <laughs> smeared across your eye? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was definitely a very, very fast fish, yeah. and it made all the other fish disappear yeah. in a second. So, yeah, it had, it had to be. Now, I didn't actually see it. What, um, thinking forward... You know, obviously, you guys are going to be back to being busy as and when people can travel to you. But mm. you've started, you started a little group for um, the, the critters around Kotal. Yes, um, it's it's good actually. We've the I've managed to because obviously all the people that are interested in it are all the the best photographers and videographers. Mm. So I have such a good um, group of people so it's all the best photographers and videographers on Kotal mm. um that come on these trips so they're also putting together some um Alex has just put a, uh, little packages together for for us as well to teach people not just photography but macro photography mm. and muck muck diving photography so um, not even just about the photography side, but about the critters themselves, how to find them, yeah. where they live, um, and you know, not, so that you can look for the the right areas first, and how to recognise um, when one of those kind of critters has been around, sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, and also like some buoyancy tips and stuff like that, so he he can kind of extend it as much as. Um, is needed, you know, for a beginner or just fine tune um, for somebody who may be a, a good photographer but have not not done muck before. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're definitely seeing a lot of interest in that. So um, I, I put a Facebook group up, uh, Muck Diving Kotel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got a page up and then uh, the page is there for everybody to see and then the group is a private group so that um, – that's where I put the trips and stuff on. So anybody that wants to actually join in, um, 
on the uh, on the trips they can join the group and then they can add their photos and stuff into that group as well mm. um and uh yeah the group is growing you mm. know it's it's doing really well um people who aren't on kotel have seen it as well and and mm. are interested in, in in joining once they do come so for me i see this as being um something that we keep doing um mm. i love doing it as well i really enjoy it and yeah. i think there's enough interest in it for us to have these trips um you know like having the dive school on kotel has never been about making loads of money yeah. for me it's it's always been about um trying to enjoy what i love you know yeah but it got to a point where i'm i've not been able to dive so much and i've been more in the uh, the running of the business and everything you know so it's really nice to kind of go back to basics and um be back out there diving a lot you know which is the thing that i love doing yeah um so you can kind of uh kind of rethink what you what you want um for the future you know yeah um and we're master divers we've always been a little bit more of a dive center for divers you know so not so much of a um, although we teach and everything as well, that wasn't really our main focus. Mm. Um, Paddy would ask me, or oh, what my numbers, you know, how many certs have you got and things? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't count my certs. <laughs> I'm not interested in it. You know, like I'm interested in how many people come. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, and I've always tried, and that's why we've got the second boat so that we could take people out um, and not have them kind of um, have to go to certain dive sites because we've got, open water students on the boat and what mm. have you but just never really angled it towards muck diving before this has opened my eyes up for sure mm. um for the muck diving um, so, so who else is um who else is doing the muck diving with you then so you've got alex terrell obviously yes yeah, so we've got alex and elizabeth elizabeth lowry's um, from yeah. yeah we've got um billy cloud <laughs> billy the mug cloud <laughs> billy the mug cloud <laughs> <laughs> um we've got um dan Halmy. oh yeah i yeah. saw he took a well sharp um, photo up the other day the bugger he did what he put a well sharp photo up the other day i think oh yeah i know that was when he was diving with us yeah <laughs> um i've got andy um andreas andreas his wife owns the um terrific oh yeah yeah. Yeah. Um, who else do we have? We've got um, Piers. Um, don't know if you know Piers. I don't think I do. Um, lots of pros, lots of different pros mm. Um, mm. on the island. So- My main group are like Dan, Andy, Alex. They, they tend to come on most of the trips, mm. you know, so mm. that they're like the, the main ones. I'm trying to get Hugh out as well. Yeah. So uh, he's just getting into his uh, underwater photography now. Oh, yeah. Ground him a little bit because he's been doing his drone stuff a lot. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll get him out. I think he'll be a good addition to it. So did um, um, did, did Billy actually choose to come and look for macro? Because I know he's blind as a bat. Or was it that Sarah, him. Sarah just wandered him out of the house and a bit of peace and quiet? Yeah, no, I forced him to come. He didn't want to come. He wasn't interested in it. He yeah. was a bit like I was at the beginning. He just wants to look at the big stuff and can't really see it anyway, so it's just frustrating. Yeah. So um, I forced him to come out, um, uh, and I said I'd, I'd swap some footage for some trips so he didn't have the, the excuse of not having the money. Yeah. Um, so, I, so And then he got hooked. Yeah. So... He came out and he was, he was uh, as long as I pointed stuff out to him because he couldn't find it. <laughs> and, he, uh, and then he, he, yeah, he loves it. He's uh, he gets he gets really involved in it and mm. um, he's he, he had a problem with his housing recently, so he hasn't been out for a while. But I did get him out again uh, last week, um, but I didn't find the frogfish for him, so I think I'm a mug now. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, you'll be a mug until he finds it. Yeah, <laughs> or you find it for him, shall I say? Yeah. So, what's what direction is it going? You're going to. Um, you mentioned Alex is putting together like little 
little packages. So you're going to kind of offer, um, you know, ma macro tuition and and put yeah, on specific macro tuition, tuition, and and also, um, I mean, at the moment with the pros that are coming out, is you can point them in the right direction, or they come and follow you a little bit, but you mm. don't have to kind of take care of them too much. Mm. Um, but the idea being. You know, I have a lot of guides now that know <laughs> that know where things are, yeah. um, how to find them, and um, so you know, like to to put together a trip for people if they want to come out muck diving. Like the guy that came over, we had one guy that came over from Israel for a few months, mm. um, and he actually had all his. He he said, "Oh, I want to learn macro. I've got all my macro gear, and I really want to practice with it." So he brought all that along. Mm. Um, and he always had a guide, so yeah. uh, so the guide would be his spotter, um, point things out, and then leave him taking a picture of that, going try and find something else, and then take him on to the next thing. Yeah. So that's always nice, you know, because at the beginning when you've not done it before, uh, it and you don't know the area as well, mm. it's it can be very difficult to find stuff. Well, that's the um, thing. If you've got someone with the local knowledge to find these tiny critters, then it helps because obviously taking a photo can take considerable amount of time as well because the little buggers move yeah. so <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's nice to be able to spend 10 15 minutes with one thing mm. you know you can really hang out and watch especially with the videoing you know watching some of the behavior and stuff you know mm. once you've sat for a little while they kind of get used to you being there yeah. um, and then they just get on with their little lives and you can uh, get some nice footage so yeah yeah so it's uh yeah i think uh we as I say, we'll have like packages for all different levels, you know, mm. um, um, for complete beginners through to pros that um, want to try something different, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll be definitely coming down some macro hunting when I get there, and <laughs> Jazz will probably stay on the beach. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I know it's funny. Do you know there's a lot of people that just not interested, don't mm. want to do it, but then once they do it. Oh, it's addictive. It. I it mean, I'm addictive. one of them. Billy's one of them. Yeah. You know, like I wasn't interested in it at all. Well, um, Nick, what's his face? Nick, uh, Nick Tringham and, and Stephen DeVelta, Big Blue. I used to take the piss out of them all the time because they talk about nudibranchs and you're like, oh, shut up, you tosser. It's a slug. And, you know, <laughs> once I started looking at these things properly instead of just teaching all the time and then you get a camera in your hand, my God, is it addictive? Yeah, the so camera makes addictive. a big difference. Mm. Um, but then Alex has got cameras um, to rent as well. So mm. even if somebody comes along, they don't have a camera or if they have a camera, but they don't have the strobe or they don't have the macro lens. He has all of that that he can mm. rent, you know, to, to uh, for people to try out to see whether they want to invest mm. in that kind of equipment. And they to be fair, to he's, invest first. he's a super geek when it comes to macro photography. Isn't he? he is. You need to have a chat with him because he's, I'm terrible with the, scientific names for for things I've i'm learning no, some i've got no chance i'm learning some. no chance but <laughs> yeah we we have we have our own names for things we've yeah. got like the ferrari nudie and <laughs> the lamborghini <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's yeah, much more yeah. my way of doing it i i <laughs> I, uh, I post a few things and people you know in groups and they just correct oh man it's it you've spelt it wrong <laughs> oh, okay i'll change it um but yeah Ferrari, Lamborghini, I'll stick with that. Yeah, that will yeah, yeah. stick in my... Well, there, there were two particularly fast ones that were really, really <laughs> difficult to photograph because they just were moving so fast. Yeah. So, yeah, they got their names from that. Well, I've got a, I've got a couple of guys coming on the show in a few weeks, actually, um, local guys here, but they concentrate on macro photography. So I think we're going to be getting into the weeds of geekiness on cameras and lenses and God knows what else. So yeah, we'll see yeah. what comes out of that one. Um, yeah. Elaine, how do, you know, God willing, when it opens up again, how do people get in touch with you to start talking about doing these kind of trips? Well, they can either contact me through Master Divers mm -hmm. or through the Muck Diving Kotel uh, Facebook page. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't actually put anything about the Muck Diving onto Master Divers website or anything yet, mm -hmm. um, but there will be um, there will be some stuff going up there. Uh, this year sometime I'm kind of gathering footage and images and stuff to to put up there so 
um, uh, yeah, we will have like a whole section on there as well. So, yeah, through either of those uh, master divers mm. um, well, when, when website you, or Facebook. When, you, when you've got it all put together, if you're going to make a color, you know, like a, a collage or anything like that, stick it up in the, in the Scuba Goat network on Facebook as well. Stick, oh, it, cool, stick, yeah, it, in, we'll stick it in the group because I'm sure there's people in there that'd be keen to see what's available. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I need to have like a whole section in because it's something completely new to master divers, you know. We've mm. not really concentrated on any of this kind of stuff before. So um, I, I decided to have a kind of separate um, entity, if you like, the Muck Diving Kotal mm. uh, alongside master divers so it's kind of like my diving hotel by master divers yeah rather than just master divers at the moment um obviously it's all local pros so i didn't want to put people off by you know having a dive center name yeah um you know just have it as a general uh kind of name so that mm. well it's not know, a monopoly is it it's a collaboration of it's a team effort exactly yeah. and it's, it's amazing you know every boat is always full of people from all different dive schools, you know, and all different uh, photography and videography companies. It's it's such a nice group of people. Um, it really it's it it's not just the diving that's kind of good for you. Um, it's seeing all these people all the time. It's a nice, you know, it's a really nice chance to get get together with everybody and um, and also meet some new people as well. It's bloody fantastic. That's where it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think there's many people who can go to Kotao and not come away with a smile on their face. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. It's it's a it's a very special place and it's even though through this time is it's odd here a little bit at the moment for, mm. for us that normally live here because it's so quiet, but it's so beautiful. Yeah. Um and it hasn't lost its charm. You know, it's it's uh I I've been here for eighteen years and I you know, I know that it was um a little bit more rustic back then um mm. but it still hasn't and there's more buildings there's more roads or what have you but it still hasn't got that kind of uh hasn't lost its charm and become kind of very too overbuilt you know mm. Mm. and if anything this might reset it a little bit as well yeah yeah for sure mm. yeah i think so good stuff well, Elaine, I think we'll wrap it up there. Thank you very, very much for coming on the show. It's been great catching up with you. Thank you. It's been good fun. Excellent. And you, you've now got something to talk about over a beer later. Say hello, oh, to, no. say hello to everyone for me. Yeah, will do. Thanks very much, Elaine. All right, looking forward to seeing you in May. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> this is Scuba Go Go Under the Sea. The podcast for the inquisitive diver.